What does it mean to connect to your future at Lake Michigan College? They connect you to your future opportunities. They partner with local industries and employers, ensuring their programs align to the needs of the community's workforce. Lake Michigan College can help you get to the future you want. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu. Listen to this fine award-winning program at any time and check out podcasts of it as well. Uh, Did you have a good weekend, Ken? I had a great weekend. It was... uh the weather was cooperative. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was nice. How about you? It was good. Yeah. It was good. Uh, we were talking about this before we got on, is that uh, pizza was the theme for the weekend, <laughs> apparently. What uh, kind did you have? Uh, I had two different kinds. Okay. Uh, why I had two days. Out of the three days of the weekend, <laughs> I had two days that I had pizza. Mm. We had pizza Friday night okay. uh, from a place that we love down the road from our house. Um because Jocelyn's like, all right, let's order pizza. It's Friday. Don't want to cook. It's too hot. <laughs> it's too hot Don't to want to turn the oven on, do yeah. any of that stuff. Didn't even want to grill. Uh, so I picked up pizza. Then my mom texts me on Saturday and says, hey, you want to come over? Come hang out? Pick up some pizza? It's like, well, I just had pizza last night. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. So yesterday, went over to her house. We had pizza. Nice. But nice. Yeah, it was uh, as far as kinds. One was, uh, I think... Sausage, bacon, mushroom. No, oh. and then the um, the one yesterday was the ultimate. <laughs> was like nine toppings, too oh many, my. too many toppings for me. Wow! But that's what my mom wanted, so yeah, that's what she gets. Okay, we had we had Silver Beach Pizza. We had friends come over from the east side. Mm-hmm. They they were finishing up a camping trip north of, uh, I think they're near South Haven. Okay. And uh, the camping experience for them sounded interesting. They they have regular campgrounds, but this is run run by a couple who um, they started their campground during the pandemic and Was were very successful. The glampings, it, well, like the big tents. It didn't sound like a glamping. Okay, um, they they had the opportunity. They had the option of uh, camping in a bus if they wanted to. Yeah. Or camping in a yurt. A yurt, yeah. A yurt. Uh, They chose to just do their own tent and car camp. Okay. Type deal. So it didn't sound like glamping. So classic, the classic camping. I think the classic family KOA campground type thing. And then they came down for Antiques on the Bluff. Nice. Which was, oh my gosh, so crowded. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. Busy, busy weekend for, and it was warm out. So I I imagine the Antiques on the Bluff would be Busy. It was warm. It was not too warm. Mm-hmm. And and I would say, and I had other anecdotal confirmation of this, is that the vendors at Antiques on the Bluff this year, different. Little, I mean, there are a lot of the same folks coming mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. but some different offerings. Oh, and so more variety. More variety. So it wasn't the same thing that you would typically see. There was a lot of different variety. It was so crowded. And we were moving so slow. We we only made it about a third of the way up. We started at the mm. south end, tried to go north, and yeah, didn't make it. Any good finds? Uh, I bought a 1924 license plate from Michigan. Ooh, dang. Yeah. It Classic. Was, it, yeah, it looks like it's about the size of the, the European model. Oh, really? Yeah. So longer, 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 thinner, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, Stephanie found a salt and pepper, a salt and pepper shaker set. Uh, little peas in a pod. Aw, yeah, that's cute. Really cute. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> man, the license plate. That sounds cool. isn't that cool. I, I haven't figured that. out where to hang that yet. Are you a license plate collector? Heck no. Thank goodness. You just thought that one was neat. That one was really neat. That's yeah. really I mean, cool. I do have a couple. I can't throw away license plates. You have a car. 
Right. If you ever get rid of the li- the car, you keep the license plates. Yeah. Unless you you know whatever. That's why I like the um the 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 sort of throwback return that yeah. has come by where we've got the now the classic sort of maize and blue uh, kind of look <laughs> yes. the, of the license plates. And it, what is it? The uh, Winter Water Wonderland, I think it says on there, which oh. I think is too much. You, I, I don't know if phrase. you can see this. I'm going to. Okay. I see it. Okay. You've got a Coca-Cola sign. The Fago. Oh, the Fago Cola and the Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. Nice. A, there was a huge metal Fago Cola sign. Refreshability. Those are cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, we didn't, I don't think I ever collected, my dad had a few license plates, probably from cars <laughs> of the past, and we yeah. had an auto shop, so it was probably also uh, uh, cars that we collected because people <laughs> didn't pay their bills, um, but yeah, we didn't have a whole bunch of really, really cool ones. We had yeah. some of those classic, like, uh, uh, red, white, and blue Ooh. kind of classic ones, but uh, no, that's cool. I, I love the European style ones. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of it and... Uh very nice. We'll post it. That's cool. Um, have not been to Anting Southern Bluff yet this <sighs> season. I'm going to have to go check it out. Got to go. Now that you're telling me all this variety that yes. happened. Go uh, early. I will go have early. To, yeah. <laughs> go early. Yeah. And find some of those uh, those vendors that have some really cool stuff. Because I, I, there's even like, um, you'll find some old WSJM stuff every once in a while. I know I Zach has, has noticed some things before. You know who I saw at Antiques on the Bluff? You saw Zach? I saw Zach East. That's nice. Right. Yeah. Did he have his dog? Uh, no, no. Oh. Talked about his dog, though. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Charlie was there? Yep. Nice. Yep. Always good to see them. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, other things over the weekend you might have uh, missed or you might have noticed. I know the weekend is where I usually catch up on a lot of the news and happenings. Oh, yeah. Uh, I usually, like, sit down and either watch uh, CBS Sunday Morning or, uh, you know, some of the other uh, shows that are... Uh, what are the, there's a few different ones. Everybody has one mm-hmm. where it's like the, the Sunday news, the shows. Sunday news shows yes. that they talk to a lot of senators and representatives and political figures. Uh, there's one on NBC meet the press. I always loved the, the back in the day, Tim Russer. Yes. He was the best. He was really good. Uh, but Chuck Todd's been the guy for a number of years. Yeah, so after Tim Russert, David Gregory, mm-hmm. um, and then Chuck Todd finally got the slot. Um, Chuck Todd had, had been around Capitol Hill for a long time, kind of part of a news aggregator service. And so he had he had a lot of FaceTime with a lot of the different lawmakers. So they put him in put him in the place. Um, it, I, I think I saw some comments over the weekend. He said, you know, his his charge when he took the role was with all the technology changing to prove that there was still a place for the Sunday morning news shows. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he did that. So yeah, nice. so he, he he did well. But now he's um, he's stepping down. He's going to continue to be a political analyst for the network. Okay. And Kristen Welker. Okay. Will be replacing in September. She's their chief White House correspondent. Okay, so she's just like them, been uh, very busy and talking to a lot of those people for a number of years, and uh, so she's going to be stepping in when September. Okay, yeah, September. And and as you and I spoke, it, it's important to have somebody who has the depth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, the benchmark was Tim Russert. Yeah, he was somebody who not only knew which questions to ask, but he knew. Um, the the potential answers and where to tree off of that. Mm-hmm. And not only the f- second, third, fourth degree, but probably seven degrees of answers. Tim mm-hmm. Russert did his research. Oh, yeah. That was his show. Right. 
and he did an amazing thing. And keeping them on topic, because everybody that's on there is going to want to go <laughs> go off into left field and talk about, you know, all kinds of different Don't things. Don't look at this over here. Check out this shiny thing. No, Tim Russert would bring them back. Yeah, yeah. And, and get the real, and they won't let them leave until they get the real answer. That's yeah. the kind of things I like to watch because... Uh, that's the reason I go to those shows for the amount of time that I do is, well, I want to know what's going on here. If something yeah. big is going on, like debt ceiling or, you know, these any other thing that uh, me as a regular American really uh, need to care about, uh, I need to go to those shows for answers. And if they're throwing up softballs uh, and giving them all these answers or giving you all these questions that are easy to answer, then... Yeah. I don't like watching that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the seven degrees of depth of knowledge. So I think Kristen Welker will do a nice job there. We'll see. That's good. Yeah. Have you ever been on? You've been on one of those shows, right? Uh, Not was, Meet the Press. I was in the I was in the audience on Meet the Press. Uh, the lawmaker I supported at the time, Mel Martinez, a U.S. senator, was interviewed right after uh, Barack Obama was elected mm, president. Nice. And so he went on there with uh, one of the top Democrats, and they said, "Hey, can we get along? <laughs> can we get along <laughs> now?" That's awesome. It's kind of gone downhill from there. But what show was it that you were on? Uh, C-SPAN Morning Journal. Ooh. Yeah. A lot of people watch that show, eh? Well, come on. My mom, I think my mom right? watched Your it. Your mom watched it? Yeah. <laughs> that's all that matters. As long as mom watched it, that's I all that matters. I feel validated. Uh, I've seen it, actually. I saw I saw a clip. <laughs> you did. Because, uh, you know, you can Google anybody anything. So if anybody <laughs> wants to spend some time and just Google Ken Lundberg oh uh, C-SPAN, you might find some uh, some interesting stuff. It was a fun interview. I did it with one of my radio colleagues at the time, uh, Dave McConnell, and we're, we happened to be picked to talk during... Uh, the impeachment proceedings of Bill Clinton. Ooh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so so what was year fun. was that? That was... <laughs> it was back then. Back then, ah. Uh, yeah. You don't like telling your age. I don't know why. That's not my age. No, That's that, not my age. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. But it was fun. You could be a vampire at this point. It's I very mean, possible. I don't know. You won't tell me your age. Uh, but You'll that's, find out next season. <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's a good uh, That's a good show. Uh, like watching Meet the Press and some of those other uh, shows on Sundays. Uh, and uh, that's, how I, that's where I go to catch up. Yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot but of people the do week, as well. But during the week, people come here. Here, of course, this yes. fine award-winning program because we're not on Sundays. <laughs> That's right. Um, but we'll, rest. we'll get to some other things a little bit later on this morning. Uh, I noticed uh, there's been a lot of uh, Dollar Generals popping up. Yeah, you found some interesting facts about that. Uh, there's some meetings. There's people still trying to find their way. Oh, yeah, wayfinding things. Yeah, wayfinding meeting coming up tomorrow in St. Joe. Yeah, so we'll catch up with that. Also, uh, somebody that we, uh, uh, speaking of political figures, uh, somebody that uh, we're going to talk to a little bit later on this morning after, a little after 7, good friend John Prose. John Prose coming in. Yeah. Going to talk about the uh, Mackinac Policy Conference. I don't know if he's bringing donuts or not, but <laughs> he's he's notorious for bringing donuts. But, John, just if you're you listening, <laughs> I don't need any more carbs, dude. So, if you want them, you want to eat them for breakfast, go ahead. But I, I don't need well, any other donuts. people here might like it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, John, I guess if you want to bring those, that's fine. <laughs> I did not have a chance to go to the Bluegrass Festival. A oh. uh, little disappointed uh, that not only I didn't get a chance to um, listen to the music, yes, but I didn't have a chance. I think I I don't know if I said this on the air yes uh, Friday or not. <laughs> But my plan was to have elephant ears for dinner you on were, Friday. You were promised elephant ears I for dinner. I was promised. Yeah, it was a deal. Jocelyn uh, said, hey, <laughs> how about uh, elephant ears for dinner tomorrow? And I'm like, mm. uh, yeah, never going to turn that down. 
turns out uh, we didn't end up going. We no. ended up getting pizza instead. Yeah. But uh, I think there are other opportunities, many, many opportunities yes. for elephant ears. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to make my own, but I don't want to. I don't want to get a, like a big old deep fryer because you need because it needs to be big. It needs to be an elephant ear. Yes. So I don't want to b- do a big pan of oil. Well, you know, if you've ever deep fried a turkey, you know that you do it outside. Yeah. I mean, if you want to stay safe and not risk burning down your house. Yeah, but you need the whole thing. You the, do the you, apparatus. Well, it, all you need is a propane tank. A burner, yeah, and the pot, and they sell it as a kit for Thanksgiving. You so mm-hmm. you can deep fry your your turkey. That sits around the rest of the year. Mm. So I think around May June you should get you you should get one of those for Thanksgiving. Okay, and then you should May or June you should start making your own elephant ears. Do you deep fry tofu on Thanksgiving? You could. Like that, that would be amazing. <laughs> Just a giant tofu loaf. Oh man. That would now we're be getting really ideas here. Because you can deep fry tofu, little thin slices of yeah. it, and then pack it with sweet rice. That's go. good. Do you do tofurkey uh, yes. on Thanksgiving? Yes. I make my own. I've bought it. The The purchased kind is is good because it's made for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's got a lot of the chemically stuff sure, in it. Sure, sure. But if you make your own, you can do whatever you want. So, oh, yeah, I made one nice. last year. I sent a picture. So, you, But good. you don't have one of these deep fryer deals? No. Okay. No. If anybody has one... <laughs> And wants and, to make elephant yeah, ears. Yeah, wants to just make <laughs> elephant ears with me. I'll bring the stuff. You just provide the deep fryer. What do you uh, want it? Like powdered sugar? Uh, I am a cinnamon sugar Okay, person. cinnamon sugar. Yeah. The powdered sugar, eh. <laughs> it's okay. I do like to double up, like okay. both. If yeah. they've got both, I'll take both on yeah. there. I mean, I'll take everything. Just <laughs> put some chocolate syrup on the top of there. Just Yum. yeah, just shove it in my face. That sounds really good. Just rub it all over my face. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, it's time now for Got Something to Say, where we talk to our friends and neighbors about great things happening in our community. As always, you can uh, reach out to me. You can give me a call nine two five WSJM. Get on the schedule. You can also email Let's Talk at WSJM dot com. And Got Something to Say brought to you by our friends at United Federal Credit Union. We get you. My guest today, very excited to be talking with uh, Sally Bogert. How are you, Sally? I'm great. It's a glorious day out there, isn't it? It is a beautiful day uh, and a great thing that you are doing along with uh, a great place. And that is uh, Spring Creek Equestrian Center. Uh, You have uh, some great things going on uh, at the Equestrian Center. First, tell me a little bit more about the center for, you know, I've never been there. So I'd love to know a little bit more about it. Well, I'll start with you. Welcome to come visit us anytime, Johnny, and any of the listeners as well. We're located on Party Road in Three Oaks, and the owner and trainer is Allison Gross, who's been in the horse business for decades. She probably doesn't want me to say how many decades. (laughs) She built this particular barn in 2012, and I stumbled across it in 2018, and she works with hundreds of adults, kids, and families every year, providing everything from riding lessons to camps to movie night with horses to egg hunt with horses to homeschool to um, horse shows. And I wasn't there long as a volunteer in 2018 when I just was overwhelmed with passion for how she works with kids and horses and how these children transform as a result of horses. I have a dog who's a therapy dog, um, and these horses are just as therapeutic to people as my dog is, and that's saying a lot. 
Wow. Yeah. And, and think about that. You know, the, the connection that you have with uh, any animal, really. I mean, but uh, like you mentioned, dogs. I mean, but uh, horses, I, I, I uh, I've been on a horse here and there, but uh, I've never had a chance to really, uh, you know, really connect with the horse and understand a lot of that stuff. So, you know, you, you've uh, ridden horses for many years. What, what, uh, you know, beyond just, you know, that, that connection that you have, what are some other benefits of, you know, just being on a horse, riding a horse and learning all of that stuff? What, what brings uh, something to mind to you that is a real uh, passion and really uh, connects you with that? Well, I say, I mentioned, I grew up with horses and, um, I had in some ways a rough childhood, but my horse was my salvation. So I could go and sit on my horse or talk to my horse and trust that she was never going to judge me. She was always going to be there for me. She was always going to support me. And we see kids come out who have all kinds of backgrounds. And for all of them to be able to go to an animal that loves you unconditionally. And horses tend to reflect back what you are feeling and somehow they they sense what we're feeling and we work a lot with arabians most of our herd is is half or full arabian and by our herd i mean allison gross the owner of the barn i'm just there so much i like to pretend <laughs> to them, but it's allison's and she has this phenomenal herd of horses <clears throat> and i asked her early on why she chose arabian and she said they're so sensitive particularly with children and they are one of the oldest breeds. Um, they go back uh, to the sands of Arabia, and nomadic tribes would go across the sands of Arabia with Arabians, and they at night would keep them in, in the tents with them. They would sleep in the tents with their families. So they had to be very sensitive animals. And uh, we find that still true today. Yeah. Yeah, I've always heard that, you know, if you're having a bad day or you're feeling uh, whichever way, the horse can understand that and, and feel that as well. So, you know, if you're having a bad day, that horse is going to sense it and and maybe uh, either help help kind of get you back to, to normal a little bit or uh, maybe the horse might have a uh, feel a little down and, and a little upset as well. So having that connection. Uh, but also that, uh, you know, relaxing and, and letting the trust uh, build between you and the horse uh, is, is such an important thing. And I think uh, it helps with, like you said, kids, adults and and uh, people of all uh, backgrounds. Uh, it's really a, a really therapeutic and wonderful thing. Uh, and like you said, they've got great horses and some great trainers and great people uh, at the Spring Creek Equestrian Center. Um, and so, uh, you know, you just, uh, you guys recently launched a GoFundMe, uh, the Horses Helping Kids Learn that, uh, you know, you're in a classroom and, and need some funding for that. Uh, so the goal is to raise how much? The goal is to raise $100,000, <clears> excuse me, to build the classroom. Uh, a, a classroom is a key component in the instruction that we give on horse behavior and horse care. Uh, Allison's is not just a riding stable. It is an equine-assisted learning stable. So we hold classes, and right now we hold them either outside in good weather or in a very small lounge where there are frequent interruptions from others using the barn facilities and even the barn cats. Um, a dedicated indoor classroom would allow for year-round programming and would eliminate the interruptions. And 
quite frankly, we love our cats, but some of our students have allergies to cats. So again, having a dedicated classroom where they could learn without a cat in their lap might be a good thing too. So um, right now they're, they're learning a lot of this, this, what would be classroom instruction and, 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 you know, teaching a lot of that is happening just in the barn. Yeah. Uh, in the, uh, a lot of it's happening outside when the weather permits, yeah. um, a lot, of course, much of what we do is hands-on. I mean, they learn everything about a horse from anatomy to how to clean a stall, to how to ride, to how to interpret a horse's uh, behavior. And why is the horse afraid of a plastic bag? Because to the horse, that's a monster. And all these are things that they, they learn. And some are done better in class or learned better in a classroom atmosphere, which is what we're lacking. And some are better learned in the arena hands-on. So we want to be able to provide the full circle. We want A to Z. We don't want people to come in, hop on a horse, and ride. That's not what we're about. We're about connecting with the horse, learning from the horse, working with the horse, being a member, a team member with the horse. That's really awesome. Uh, and so this classroom will be on site uh, there on Party Road. Yes. Um, it'll be an extension of the existing barn. And, you know, when we work with these kids – we, it, it's so amazing to see the magic of how their confidence grows. I had a young lady, a five-year-old, come in with her mom just this last weekend, and she had been talking about riding a horse for months with her mother. So they finally came, and when she saw these horses, she was just um, overwhelmed by their size and wouldn't let go of mom's neck. So finally... The instructors and Allison herself and the atmosphere she has set up are so good that they got the child on the ground. And the next thing you know, she was just petting the pony. And then, okay, we'll brush the pony. Okay, we'll put the saddle on the pony, but I'm not getting on the pony. Okay, I'll get on the pony. Okay, I'll lead the pony around. Okay, I'll walk at a trot. I'll walk the pony. And next thing you know, she's trotting on the pony. Her arms are outstretched. She has a big smile. She gets off the pony. She can't wait to come back. Mila, do you want to ride a pony or a horse next time? I want a horse. Just one hour, the confidence boost that we saw. And we have kids who come and spend the day at the barn, and they learn teamwork, and they learn um, responsibility and time management. And so there's a lot of different things that we teach outside of, while we're teaching about horses and horse behavior and how to ride, what we're really teaching is resilience, responsibility, confidence, teamwork, and empathy for the animal. Children learn that the horses are hearing and feeling what they're feeling, and they learn empathy for the animals. Not only are horses, but we also have cats, dog, dogs, ducks, and chickens. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. You, can, you can't ride a, a barn cat, though, right? That's not... That's not part of the thing. So you uh, you get on the horse and you have that, uh, like you said, that connection and, and all of those things sound awesome. Uh, so the goal, like you said, is $100,000 uh, for this classroom. Uh, how much do you have so far? We, through, while well, you look at our GoFundMe and people have been very generous, we have over 40 donations. We're at 6,500 there, but we, in private donations, we had another 20,000. So we're a quarter of the way to our goal, and okay. we welcome anybody who who cares about kids and horses and the magic that happens there and how horses can change lives 
If you want to support this, we'd love to have your support. And we'd love to have you come visit the barn. I'm happy to have anybody reach out to me, and I will give you a personal tour of the barn and show you, introduce you to the herd, the staff, and show you what's magical about Spring Creek Equestrian Center. That's awesome. And you have a short video as well that's uh, that's available uh, through when you go to that GoFundMe page. And that kind of explains a little bit more about, you know, what you're going to do, what your plan is, but also a little bit more about the Spring Creek Equestrian Center, right? Yes, it's a three minute video. I hope people will take three minutes to to watch it. It'll show you the magic of what Allison Gross has created at Spring Creek Equestrian Center and how horses really can change lives. That's really awesome. Uh, well, we'll share that link uh, on our website, uh, but this is a really awesome thing. I hope to hear back from you and hear that you achieved your goal of $100,000 and love to see, uh, you know, the groundbreaking and all that and uh, more great things coming to our community uh, through the Spring Creek Equestrian Center. And like you said, the entire team there, uh, you love being a part of it and volunteering and, and supporting it in any way you can. So it's just an awesome thing. So I look forward to uh, chatting with you more about it. But uh, again, we'll put that info uh, so that you guys can uh, raise some more money to help out uh, a lot of people in our community. Thank you, Johnny. You have a great day and come go, come ride with us sometime. I'll have to do that. Sign me up. Okay. Thank you. And I want to sign you up for Got Something to Say. If you uh, have a nonprofit organization, you want to talk about some of the things you got going on, whether it be an event, fundraiser, or you just want to talk about the programs you offer, feel free to reach out. 925-WSJM. You can email let's talk at WSJM.com. Got something to say brought to you by United Federal Credit Union. We get you. Lots to get to uh, here in just a little while. We'll catch you up with news, sports, and we'll have a special guest that will be stopping by uh, just after seven or so. Uh, maybe, just maybe, he's bringing donuts. Ooh. So donuts. We'll, we'll see about that. Very excited to have this guy in here. We've got uh, former state representative and former state senator John Prose. Good morning. What's up, man? How are you? Good, Good to morning. have you in here. Hey, it's great to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Like we talked about before we uh, went to news, to be in studio, in person, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then nice. I know you've had, like I said, we've you've had guests in, but sure, we had a heck of a slog there through. Through COVID and a whole lot of people had some challenges. I think you and I last in person face to face is almost a year ago. That's right. The I tournament. would say at the tournament. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, we've had many a Zoom calls and phone calls over this this entire year. And, oh yeah. Uh, your podcast, which that's what's keeping you busy, the Isle Podcast. Shout out to that. That's going great too. But at the same time, though, of course, Strategic Leadership Council here mm-hmm. around. Uh, Berrien County with all the municipalities and and the CEOs who helped to participate in the Strategic Leadership Council, Mm -hmm. answering big questions related to transportation. And, you know, one that's really, really bubbled up, and it was a big part of the Mackinac Conference, which I know Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about in a little bit, um, housing, the the continued real risks that surround growth in our region, growth in the state, Mm -hmm. and whether or not housing can can fill that capacity when, when over time, of course, houses wear out, right? right? So they become obsolete or they need upgrades. And, yeah. and I'll tell you, that's, it's, it's a disinvestment for the last many, many decades. So we're really in a, in a position now in Michigan that we've got some work to do. And that was part of the conversation up at Mackinac um, with the Detroit Regional Chamber. It was really a fascinating series of discussions around how we can grow as a state. And mm-hmm. ultimately, isn't that what, what we'd all like to see? Growth in our region that means 
more people employed, better houses, easy transportation, mm. more folks uh, actually going to the work site, whatever that may be, whether it be an office space or otherwise, um, or even living here, but then commuting via telecommunications, right? So there's there's so much that can can be improved upon, um, but that only happens through the relationships you develop to be able to develop trust. And that was a lot of what this conference was all about was the power of and. That mm-hmm. was their big, big slogan, the power of and uh, instead of or. Yes. Either you have the English muffin or you have the donut. The, the power of and more. was have the English muffin <laughs> and the donut. We like okay. this. <laughs> we like this power of and. Okay. So that, but- that, that makes it sound really, really kind of goofy, but it really was a an interesting conversation and one that I think is important to have. But you probably asked the question, why Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce? Mm-hmm. Right? That's three yeah. hours away. Right. Yeah. So, so to set the stage for those who may not be familiar, mm-hmm. the Mackinac Policy Conference happens every year. Correct. This was what, the 44th? Is that right? I, I think so. that's right. And yeah. the Detroit Regional Chamber puts it on and they bring in, uh, I think you said somewhere between 1,500 and 3,000 thinkers, people, movers, shakers of Michigan gather to talk about policy, public policy. What are the issues we're facing? What how, what are we going to do about it? That's exactly right. And and you're starting to see more and more West Michigan, Southwest Michigan, mm-hmm. North Michigan, Northwest Michigan. You're starting to see more of the Michigan policymakers and and folks that are in positions that that can affect change and can lead organizations. You had Bill Ford from, from Ford Motor Company, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, you know, the, the, the Brian Moynihan from Bank of America, I mean, one of the largest banks in the world, um, spoke then also. And, and each of these particular individuals who spoke w- were like the headliners. Yeah. But the real work gets done on the porch of the Grand Hotel, heading down to the Jockey Club, walking down to the ferry, sitting on the ferry with members of Congress mm. who in this case weren't there. For the oh. first time in a long time, really? none of the members of Congress. Why is that? Mm. They were dealing with the debt ceiling That's last right. week. So right. they were they were in Washington, D.C., so our members of Congress weren't there. Republicans and Democrats alike uh, attend the conference, but a lot of our public policymakers from, from the state of Michigan were there. The governor and her cabinet, um, Secretary of State, Attorney General, uh, and then many of the, the, the leaders from the uh, Michigan House and Michigan Senate, mm-hmm. Speaker Tate, um, the majority leader, Winnie Brinks, out of the Grand Rapids area. Um, really, really a good group of people from throughout all of these different uh, leadership sort of positions. But the, the question of all of that is, is, is how do you organize around a set of ideas? And that was the whole idea of the power of and being the concept, um, which fits a little bit to the podcast, Johnny, as you know, yeah. with the work that we've done on that. Um, former Representative David Rutledge and I are asking the question of how relationships can help build trust. Yeah. And when trust builds relations or when relationships build trust, it builds opportunity to tackle big topics. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you end up at the same place. It doesn't mean that David and I as representative and a Senator at the time agreed on the same topics at all, but there was a respect that was developed because of a development of a relationship. So the power of and was let's not divide by it's either or, but let's try to build together consensus around how we can solve problems like a declining population in Michigan. We're 49th in the nation for population growth. That needs to change immediately if we're going to see an improved economy for all of our residents. Yeah. And by that, I mean all of them, not not the haves, but all those folks that have 
a need and an interest in growing in the state. So let's talk about that for, for just mm-hmm. a moment. The yeah. governor appointed a, a population czar, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, uh, to take a look at the declining population in Michigan, the trend that has been disturbing and growing, and decide with others, a council, of what to do. What do we do next? Has Michigan broken? So it, I have a, a little bit of a different perspective than okay. the governor on this one, and I, I mean this not at all in disrespect to the governor. I worked with her for many years, sat two seats from her on the Senate floor, sat with her in the the Michigan House chamber. Mm -hmm. Um, She is an extremely disciplined um, political leader. She does an amazing job. She really does. That said, we didn't vote a lot alike on a lot of the different Mm -hmm. topics. In this case, (laughs) instead of a, a panel of folks that come together to try to talk about how we're going to grow the economy through population growth, I would rather have a panel of experts come together and say, what are other states doing that's better than us? Right. And take What's a look at them away. What can we do to be more competitive? I hope mm-hmm. that's part of what this right. panel will council do, this blue whatever, ribbon yeah. council mm-hmm. or what have you. But frankly, it reminded me of the days when we would simply put together panels or blue ribbon commissions mm-hmm. rather than actually addressing the problem. Yeah. And I think our, our competitive tax structure is an attractive part of that equation. I think investment in in our community colleges and our universities and our schools is important. Um, but let's find out what it is that, that tomorrow's jobs and technology mm-hmm. needs. Rather than looking at what was, we need to be looking at what's going to be. Yeah. In hockey, right? We know that one. Yeah. Skate to where the puck's going to be, not to where, you're, not to where it's going. Right? I mean, skate right. to where the puck's going rather than wait for it to come to yeah. you. So I, I think that that the governor is is right to address the question, but I think she had to. Mm-hmm. She had to say something about this particular topic because when you see a declining population, you're seeing a state that's dying. It's not growing. Part of that is demographics, I understand. Mm-hmm. We know that the birth rate is lower than it has been in, in many decades. Yep. Um, part of it's that, that natural regeneration through childbirth, but the fact of the matter is is that we are missing right now a competitive stance that makes Michigan an attractive place to be. And and there are those who say that the last five months, an absolutely record historic pace of legislative change in Lansing has gone the wrong direction. Mm. Um, it, it, not because it was just Democrats in control. That's not a partisan statement. There are many good economists that look at this and say, our competitive stance isn't as strong as it once was. Um, does that mean that everything that the Snyder administration did when I was in the legislature, right? Of course not. That's not the point. The point is you've got to benchmark yourself against other states and not have the excuse that we're a northern state. Right. We've got to be better than that. Mm-hmm. Is it is it a situation where some in the legislature or even in the governor's cabinet want to see more of a California-type approach? We've heard that. So I, that leads to a question of, of what the aspirations are for the governor. Okay. Because I think if the governor has an interest in in national politics, and remember, she will have completed her time in the Michigan legislature. Mm-hmm. She was then Ingham County prosecutor for a little while mm-hmm. and then ran for governor and is now our governor in her second term. The chances of of her finding herself in a Democrat cabinet, let alone being considered for the top spot of president of the United States, I think is very good. Mm. I think she is that talented. I think she's that she will point to to very strong democratic successful principles, meaning the Democrat Party principles. Um, so she's going to benchmark herself 
much like I said, Michigan should benchmark itself competitively against others. She's going to benchmark herself to the competition in other governors across the nation. And you mentioned California, and you can't help but think of Governor Gavin Newsom. Mm -hmm. Gavin Newsom in California has pushed hard left on a number of topics. And it fits California quite well. I think you're going to see the governor continue to push in that direction Mm. um, as often as she can so that her profile on a national level becomes stronger. Mm. Yeah. Will you stick around for a little while? Absolutely, sure. Okay. Love We'd to. We'd love to talk more about uh, your policy conference uh, recap. Did you bring a swag bag? Because I heard about a swag bag. Uh, there's always a swag for? bag and a big chunk of fudge. Okay. Did you bring it? Did you share with a friend? My family loved it. Uh, Thank you, Johnny. Uh, all right. All right. Nice. Well, well, we'll talk more about that. Love to hear more about some of the uh, the keynotes uh, that were there and some other conversations that were had uh, at the policy conference. But we'll uh, talk more with John Pros in just a little while. Uh, this guy. Still hanging around, John Prose, uh, with us. He's uh, somebody that was of the many people that were at the Mackinac Policy Conference uh, on Mackinac Island this past week. Uh, how did you get invited and we didn't? <laughs> Wait a second. I don't know if we want to know that one. No, um, in part, it was because of the work that we're doing, yeah. both David Rutledge sure. and I. Um, and, and just for a, a quick refresher, David Rutledge is a former state, excuse me, state representative mm-hmm. from the Ypsilanti area. And if you're familiar with kind of Michigan politics, that means that he's a Democrat because there's very little chance that a Republican in Ypsilanti and Ann Arbor area are going to be elected to the Michigan House of Representatives. And David, uh, David and I became pretty close friends working together in the legislature. He was in the House at the time um, hosting the fellowship group. Yep which is an opportunity for legislators to get together behind closed doors to, to no media, no staff, mm-hmm. um, cell phones off and complete confidence. And it's a, it's a chance to get to know each other better. Um, some people call it a prayer breakfast, but it, mm-hmm. it really is, is about fellowship. And the idea behind it is, is that, that developing good relationships mm-hmm. will make it easier to do good public policy. And again, it, it doesn't change anybody's minds as to whether or not they, they, they do the right thing based upon where their party is or whatever that may yeah. be. But so David and I got to know each other really, really well um, and came up with this concept after leaving the legislature, both of us in 2018. How could we replicate that in a way that would give us a chance to actually discuss um, developing relationships in a way that, that benefit Michigan, mm-hmm. that benefit our communities, that benefit our hometowns. And, and it's, Oftentimes having to find ways to get together with those that you may not know as well, those that you may have a difference of an opinion with. And so David and I are are two very different looking people. I'm Southwest Michigan, white Republican, and he's Southeast Michigan, black Democrat. But Mm -hmm. the two of us together understand that that power of, of being able to develop relationships and do good things together. And so we started this podcast, which we're slowly building into something that matters. It was enough for the Detroit Regional Chamber to say, hey, John, David, this is exactly what we want to see happen. We'd be happy to partner with you on this. And so we're starting season two with Johnny as our producer. He's been a great part of this whole growth. We've been very um, methodical. Mm-hmm. And by that, I'd say I'm, I'm impatient and I want it to go much faster. <laughs> but methodical about it. And that gave us the chance then to develop a really good relationship with the Detroit Regional Chamber. They said, pros, you need to be here again. Um, I wanted to go anyway, some other work that I do with clients in in, in mm-hmm. Lansing and in the state and so forth needed 
some support that's up there. There's discussions happening related to mobility and transportation and energy. Um, the energy conversation is a big one going forward in this next calendar year. Um, I don't think it'll go much longer than a mm -hmm. calendar year because we're already starting to talk about the 24 elections. Right. right. So energy is going to be a big deal. And so I had probably five hats that I wore up there. Strategic leadership councils it relates to housing was a big conversation on the island. And that's our, my local work here. And then some of the, my other client work relates to criminal justice and energy. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the Detroit Regional Chamber said, pros, uh, we want you guys up here next year interviewing our guests. Yeah, so very nice. we look forward to that next year. Absolutely. One of the uh, the conversations or things that happened there was uh, some of the keynote speakers we want to touch on. Who do we want to talk about first, Ken? Why don't we uh, first let's talk a little bit, build on what you just talked about, John, the 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 power of and yeah. right. the relationship you described with David Rutledge and yourself is coming across the aisle, checking your political egos at the door and just really hanging, having that that conversation, that fellowship. It's something that's lacking, I think many would yeah. say, in politics today all the way to the national level. What was the power of and there? What are some of the highlights from that policy conference where Republicans, Democrats, name the party, can get across the aisle and make a solution? Certainly try to find some solutions. And probably the largest voice on that one is is the woman who, who spoke very late in the conference but really had that very direct message. And, of course, that was Liz Cheney, the... Republican member of the Michigan, or excuse me, the U.S. House of Representatives that served with our Congressman mm -hmm. Fred Upton his last term. And she and Fred were two that that um, did, in fact, vote to impeach President Trump at the time. And then she was on the panel for um, the review of what happened on January 6th. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she left the legislature, um, but was a speaker then at the conference. And, and she spoke very directly about this need uh, to be able to have a full full discourse about what's happening, both the good, the bad, and the ugly, all the way across the spectrum. And and to, to have that in in a way that, that doesn't just completely destroy one side or the other. Um, and and I think the thing that, that Ken, you wanna you wanna think about in this sort of a a setting, her message is strong. She certainly has um, a a very high name ID in in the state and in the nation. But in that name ID, though, comes with a whole lot of baggage for some folks that mm -hmm. really dislike her. Oh, for sure. And others that really like her because they felt like she stood out amongst many others who would not stand out. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, that from my perspective, I didn't have to agree with everything that Liz Cheney said. As a, as a former member of the Michigan Senate and a Republican, I don't have to, di I don't have to agree with everything that she said. Um, but I have to at least respect the fact that she has an opinion and a thought. And that, that's the thing that was maybe one of the greatest lessons I learned in my time in Lansing. I, I'm coming from a Southwest Michigan district, right? Mm -hmm. Bering Cass Van Buren, Bering Cass St. Joseph counties. I represented in the Senate. We see things through a lens that is our Southwest Michigan lens. We don't see it through the lens of Detroit, uh, Wayne County, Oakland County, Macomb County, Ypsilanti yeah. area, Ann Arbor area. They, they see things through a different lens for many, many reasons, right? Our, our largest commute for most folks, if they have even a 10 or 15 minute commute is pretty long, right? Mm -hmm. It could be an hour and a half in the Detroit area for mm -hmm. obvious reasons. So I, we just have a very different view of things. And, and I learned that lesson early on. And it actually was a staff member of mine, Rebecca O'Connell said, John, you do realize that they got elected too. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be upset 
at the fact that they have this particular perspective or this, why don't they have my perspective, right? What, Ken, come on, shouldn't yeah. you have my view? <laughs> shouldn't yeah. you believe me? Because I'm the one who's right. And the response to that, Becky reminded me was, they got elected out of a whole different mm-hmm. area of the state that have a different set of values. Um, and we have many that are in common, but they have a different set of needs per se, per se, a different set of expectations and understanding. So somehow in there, if you can develop that, um, that ability to, to check your ego, like you said, right. Ken, if you can check your ego and have at least a conversation at the end of the day, I, I may not agree with Liz Cheney, but I can certainly agree that, that she is representing her people in then in the state of Wyoming as best she possibly could. And what she thought was right. And frankly, there's a political science conversation there too. <laughs> is, is your job as a representative to vote your, your, your belief, or is your job as a representative to vote your your representatives or the folks who represent yeah. belief? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. With this, uh, with Liz Cheney, and, and when you mentioned uh, Fred Upton, this uh, this no labels movement. Your thoughts on that? I mean, there's that's still it's still in the beginning stages mm-hmm. in the exploratory, whatever you want to call it. Do you think 2024 a third party will be established enough to make a good fight within the election? I would be surprised if it does. And and we've seen third-party eruptions yeah. for all of our American history. Um, and in fact, the Republican Party came out of the Whigs, right? And yes. the Whigs um, dissolved and yeah. became a new party with a new set of value mm-hmm. structures and so forth. It, interesting when you look at history. I think it'd be surprising to see a no-labels gain that kind of momentum and steam. But the conversation is critical. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I firmly believe that, that this is more of a question of, of whether or not we're going to be able to find ways to work together than it is, than it is to continue to try to find our way into our tribes, our tribal sort of mentality, which has created, in in my opinion, a, a one size fits all sort of effort. Um, and, and look up at the Island, I think there was great conversation from, our representative in the northern part of Berrien County, Representative Wenzel, mm-hmm. uh, spoke with her multiple different times. Senator Nesbitt, who's leading the Michigan Senate minority at this point, the Republican minority, um, spoke very firmly about the things that he disagrees with, but willing to try to work together to try to solve problems. I think that's the right message. I, I don't think the Republican Party, as it st- sits today, should should leave its roots or, or find a new party structure. I just would be surprised if from a political science perspective, you actually see a third party rise to prominence and affect massive change this next election cycle. Yeah. Um, there are those who say though, that the Republican party needs to find its way mm-hmm. and when, and if it does, I think that it comes back to significant prominence. I'm still part of the bull moose party. There you so go. The old bull moose party. The bull right. moose all the way. <laughs> right. Uh, do we have time for one more? Yeah. I think we have time for one more yeah. question. What do you got, Ken? Let's do one more. Yeah, you mentioned ESG. Can you help? Uh, that was talked about a lot more than you had expected it, at that's the policy right. conference. Can you explain ESG, what it is, and why it's important? Absolutely. Environmental, social, and governance. And it is the buzz phrase right now mm. for, for what business and industry is is doing to ensure that they're paying attention to environmental right. side of the equation, whether you're a manufacturer or service provider or whatever it may be. And at the same time, once, you, once you've once you looked at the environmental side of things, of which there can be a great debate about it, 
There can be discussion about that. That's an entire topic, right? Governance is more about do we have the right people that represent who we represent, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a Bank of America like Brian Moynihan who spoke, you have, uh, what, third largest bank in the world, mm -hmm. something to that effect? Somewhere around there, yeah. It's, it's a massive entity. And then are, are we doing the right things from a governance perspective? Um, so in the, it, it's really recognizing corporations as powerful entities correct. that have the power to move the environment, the society, and governance in different correct. directions. Are they moving them in the right direction? And is it socially conscious? Are we right. doing the right social thing? As you might imagine, there is the other side of that equation where folks who are pushing back against that then mm -hmm. also. I was surprised Brian Moynihan did speak, and, and his power of and was lean into ESG. Mm. But you have to think. The, the major and massive corporate entities right now who are engaging at Bank of America are in fact investing hundreds of billions of dollars into ESG, mm. um, into that, that sort of environmental, social, and governance structure. That's why you're seeing so many of our corporate entities um, really lean into that, that, that particular movement. Um, with that, right, every mm -hmm. action has an equal and opposite reaction, Johnny. Yep. Yep. There are those on the other side who say that this is an overreach and should get out of the way. And in fact, Mark Cuban was the one who said that. <laughs> Mark Cuban made it very clear that he thinks public policymakers don't know what they're doing. And mind you, this is a public policy conference with right. a lot of public policymakers. And the governor was backstage. And asked him to be there. Asked yeah. him to be there. and Probably paid him to yeah. be there yeah. as yeah. well. And Mark Cuban, I, I thought, was great. And this being a former legislator, you don't know what you're doing, legislators, number one. And number two, get out of my way. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Let me go do my thing, have a light touch in, in terms of the structure that you provide for me. And then if you do make a decision that, that regulates me and my ability to do things, then if you're going to regulate it, then get out of my way, number one. And number two, don't change it next year because you've got right. a whole new set of people coming in, think they need to do it better and different. Mm -hmm. Give me the game plan, give me the run, and then I'm going to go ahead and improve the economy or improve people's lives or find yeah. medicines cheaper because mm -hmm. I started a new bio firm, those sorts of things. And but, he's speaking for not only himself, but many even small business owners absolutely. and people, entrepreneurs that are just starting out. That is another frustration that I'm sure a lot of them have. And that ultimately is where... I kind of feel I am, <laughs> even though he said you were awful pros, you were a right, terrible right, legislator right, because right. you got in the way. I think government's light touch, small g, is the mm -hmm. best way to go. In my personal opinion, I think that there needs to be rules of the road. It's not just a wild, wild west. Mm -hmm. But boy, I'll tell you, when, when, when you see American innovation, when you see U.S. innovation do its thing, it is incredibly successful and powerful worldwide. And that's ultimately what I would like to see. So I think he was actually spot on. I just thought it was pretty funny because we're in a more of a regulatory environment yeah. right now with Governor Grant, Grant listen to me. <laughs> She's our secretary of, uh, of energy now, yep. but Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who, who is taking a bit more of the heavy hand perspective and building a structure that is, is much more leaning into the Democrat policies that look like California, as opposed to what I think is more of a competitive landscape that we want to seek. And that's really what Cuban hit upon. So it was bipartisan. I mean, you had the Liz Cheney's and the Brian Moynihan's, and then you had a Mark Cuban saying, get out of the way and let me do my thing. 60 seconds or less, U.S. Senate race, Michigan to replace Debbie Stabenow. What's it look like? We've not seen a candidate come out of the Republican Party yet or announce out of the Republican Party yet that has um, the kind of name ID that I think gives a good head start. Alyssa Slotkin has very few Democrat opponents coming after her right now as a U.S. House member mm -hmm. out of kind of the uh, Brighton area. Mm -hmm. Lansing, Brighton is kind of her district. 
Um, she is going to have a, a what appears to be a fairly consolidated run on the Democrat side to be our next U.S. senator to take Debbie Stabenow's spot. And until the Republicans can find somebody of stature that has name identification and has a vision for where we need to go, um, I think we're going to have a hard time uh, in 24 to, to keep that seat or rather to take that seat back as a Republican uh, from the Democrats who've had it for many years, what, since 92 when Stabenow won. What are you doing for the next six years? I'm going to continue working right here at Michigan's Great Southwest Strategic Leadership we'll Council. We'll talk about that. Thank you. John, thank you so much for stopping by. Great to Appreciate be here. Thank you. you. Moodyonthemarket.com and the Moody on the Market app. we got a ton of stories from our team of contributors as well as our Moody on the Move series. A new episode of that. Uh, new episode. New episode. Zach East hanging out with... Uh, our friends at Casa of Southwest Michigan. Nice. Um, so you can check out that video uh, and listen to it as well uh, at WS or at MoodyOnTheMarket.com. And I'm sure we'll have some links on WSJM.com as well. But check out our awards program too. Uh, but your update where we tell you about some of those great stories brought to you by our friends at Insurance Management Service. Call IMS today, your local auto owners agency with locations in St. Joseph and in Niles and helping people get some jobs. Did you ever want to be a doctor? Uh, at one point, yes. Okay. I wanted to be not only a doctor, I also wanted to be a NASA scientist. Wow. Yep. What would you study? Well, I'd be like engineering mainly okay. and do a lot of that. Building uh, the rockets and the stuff. Rockets, okay. The rockets, uh, the little cars and helicopters <laughs> that fly around and do oh, all yeah. that stuff. It's fascinating to me. I just, uh, I went a different direction. Okay. But okay. I'm still fascinated by all the uh, the science and engineering of they all that stuff. They do amazing so things. So cool. They do amazing things, including taking a look at your health. And Michigan Works is going to host a session on how people can get hooked up and connected with a career in healthcare. See how we made that nice little transition there? Sure. From NASA, from outer space. Right here locally, how you can get a job in healthcare. Michigan Works is planning an information session about how to get started with a career in healthcare for this month. It says Berrien, Cass, and Van Buren counties mm -hmm. now have more than 900 fewer healthcare workers than they did prior to the pandemic. Wow. So going into the pandemic till now, 900 fewer workers. Wow. Yeah. So they need a lot more. That's right. The need continues to grow. The current projections call for continued growth of 6% or nearly 600 jobs through 2032. Michigan Works is teaming up with Corwell Health and Lake Michigan College. This event is happening on June 13th from 12 to 2 at its offices in Benton Harbor. Topics of discussion will include apprenticeships and careers at Corwell Health, how to transition to healthcare, and the education and training needed, registration required to attend, and you can get the link to that on moodyonthemarket.com. Wonderful. Always uh, trying to find great people. The folks at Michigan Works doing some good stuff. And uh, yeah, there's there's a, I know there's a lot of jobs out there, especially here locally yes. uh, in the healthcare industry. So definitely if you've uh, considered... Switching careers, even uh, some good good info that you can get through that, uh, and you can find that story and so much more at MoodyOnTheMarket.com. Your update brought to you by our friends at Insurance Management Service. Call IMS today, your local auto owners agency, with locations in St. Joseph and in Niles. Still, lots of show to get to. Still before nine, before uh, we switch over to our good friend Michael Patrick Shields, um, but. Um, Anything else you're seeing in the news, real quick, that you're uh, that you want to tease? Or oh goodness gracious! I mean, no. what's the news team <laughs> assembling and and talking about later on today? Anything anything that affects you? 
Speaking of which, if you ever have news tips uh, or see anything going on, oh, yeah. you know, we only have the eyes that we have in our team. But if you happen to see something, uh, there's an easy way for you to to reach out to us, whether it be a, something you're noticing that's yep. business related for Moody on the Market or for the news department. Yes. This is a good time for people to uh, send the news tips. News at wsjm.com. Right. That's all you have to do. If you're there, you're seeing it, take a video. Yep. We'll give you credit. Video, pictures, uh, Send all it that to good us. stuff. Yeah. yeah we, we love that stuff because that helps us get the, uh, the story started and, and understand what's going on. Maybe we might reach out, uh, to those other areas of interest that might, uh, make it a great story, but you help us get that started. Yeah. One, one thing that started over the, over the weekend that is now, I think about 90% contained is that those fires up North. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw, we talked about it earlier. We saw some of the smoke haze in the atmosphere, um, touching the sunlight, making it look kind of different than you'd normally would see about 90% contained, but they said it was started. The blaze up, uh, in Crawford County was started mm -hmm. probably by a campfire. Oh man. Yeah. Didn't they see Smokey the Bear outside? Probably saying it's not a good time because it, it has been very dry. It's been extremely dry. And in fact, if you look at a map of how dry it is across the state of Michigan right now, even in even in southwest Michigan, we've got some extreme conditions. Yeah. Uh, Cass County included. We're about a medium to high risk in, in Barry and Van Buren. But uh, all over the mitten. It is mostly extreme fire danger, so please be careful as you get out there and recreate. Absolutely, even if you're, you know, you're clearing stuff out of the garden and realizing you got some leaves that you want to, uh, you know, burn up. Yeah. not a good idea probably yeah. until we get some more, some more rain. I noticed a lot of people's lawns looking a little, oh, they're not crunchy. so good, crispy. Yeah, not, <laughs> not crispy, good. crunchy, and brown, and it's not <laughs> not good. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Saw our first, first hummingbird of the season. You did? Yeah, I saw it this weekend. Nice. I know hummingbirds have been around for a few weeks, but this is the first time I saw one. Really? Yeah, did you get this, a picture? This weekend. No, you can't. You can't because if you move, they're gone. I, I, one of these days, I'm going to get, because I have been able to like snap some kind of blurry pictures, but yeah. one of these days, I'm just going to maybe just set up a, a camera that does like the... Uh, like the deer cams? Yeah, like a deer cam, okay. and I can get some stop motion and get yeah. some... Some oh. slow motion. Mm -hmm. Time uh, lapse. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. If I can get that of a hummingbird. That's that's goals for me.